Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, where my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have had so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Paul Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio, powered by Molka Sports. Find them online at M-A-L-K-A Sports.com. I love when we have guests on that I would put in the GOAT category, the greatest of all time. We've had Jack Nicholas on. We've had Ken Griffey Jr. on. We've had Bob Costas on. Uh, we've had Chris Everett on. These are people I would put in the GOAT category, and our guest this week, Definitely in the GOAT category, one of the greatest winners the sports world has ever seen. Sue Bird, four-time WNBA champion with the Seattle Storm, five-time Olympic gold medalist with Team USA, two-time NCAA champion with UConn, and has won numerous titles uh, overseas in EuroLeague and other leagues. So all in all, she's won about 20 titles. Anytime she plays, she wins. She's an activist. She is a great ambassador for women's sports. She's going to join me on our show today. I think you're going to love this conversation. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I'm good, and I agree. Anytime you can have a goat on, it's always a good day. And Sue Bird, I've been watching her forever. And I mean, she's so much more than just a player. Like you mentioned, she's an activist and just so much in her community and in the world of sports for women, especially. And uh, what I love about her is just her leadership. I mean, you see it on the court, you see it off the court. This woman knows how to lead and knows how to play too. Well, and whether you're an athlete, an executive, whatever you are, she gives some great leadership tips in this interview. Uh, She went to high school with actress Natalie Portman. So we're going to talk about that. What's next for Sue Bird? She's closer to the end than the beginning of her career. I think you're going to enjoy this interview. She's fresh back from the White House, the Seattle Storm champion. Seattle Storm got to go visit President Biden. So she'll talk about that as well. That's coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, Some headlines. Griggs, Cam Newton, Released by the New England Patriots, Mac Jones, rookie from Alabama, looks like he's QB1. Uh, Jones in the preseason, 36 of 52, 389 yards, one touchdown, no interception. And boy, all of a sudden, the AFC East has gotten pretty young at quarterback. Remember, Tom Brady used to be with the Patriots. So Josh Allen of the Bills is 25. Tua with the Dolphins is 23. Zach Wilson, rookie quarterback, 22 with the Jets. And now Mac Jones, 22 with the Patriots. A lot of people thought Mac Jones should have been drafted higher in the draft. 
Bill Belichick was happy to get him. And now, you know, it's not often that Bill Belichick starts a rookie at quarterback, but that's what he's going to be doing with the Patriots. Well, and it's Belichick. I mean, obviously he sees something in Mac. We've seen it in preseason. He looks really good. I know it's preseason, but he's smooth. I mean, he knows what he's doing. He's a good quarterback. And it looks like he's kind of just taken where he left off in college. So exciting. I love, like you mentioned, young quarterbacks. It's new faces. It's young quarterbacks. It's fast moving, uh, good offense. So I'm looking forward to it because that's going to be just exciting to see some new talent out there. Yeah, I mean, as we talked last week, so many rookie quarterbacks, whether it's Zach Wilson or Mac Jones or uh, Justin Fields might get a chance in Chicago. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville, some really good quarterbacks in this draft. It'll be interesting to watch the NFL this season. All right. One of the marquee athletes in all of the world has switched teams. Cristiano Ronaldo has signed a two-year contract returning to Manchester United. He played with United from 2003 to 2009, scored 118 goals, had three Premier League titles and a Champion League title. Uh, One of the most popular soccer stars or athletes in the world. Griggs, check these numbers out. He has 94 million followers on Twitter. And if you think that's a lot, he has 336 million followers on Instagram. This is more than like most leagues have in the United States. He has more followers between those two platforms. That's crazy. But, you know, this is a corporation changing teams. And uh, he's not what he once was on the pitch, but he's still very popular and very marketable. Man, I mean, it it just proves again that soccer or football is a worldwide sport. I mean, these athletes are just massive everywhere you go. And you see it in their paychecks, too. I think Cristiano is still the highest paid athlete in the world. And, uh, you know, here he goes back to Man U. And it's going to be exciting. A lot of world soccer news going on with, uh, you know, Messi going to PSG. And it's pretty fun. I'm looking forward to the upcoming seasons of the soccer world. Yeah, I mean, anytime someone changes teams, it's it's fun to watch them on their new team. But when you have iconic athletes like this, uh, it's especially interesting to watch. All right, our last headline, the U.S. Open tennis tournament is underway in New York. Griggs, all fans 12 and older are required to show proof of at least one dose of the COVID-19 vaccination in order to attend the U.S. Open. You know, we've talked about this before. I think we're moving in the wrong direction here as far as COVID cases are rising. We've got the Delta variant. Uh, You know, I am hoping we do not go back into lockdown of any kind. But what you're seeing is a lot of these sporting events now are requiring proof of vaccination to get in. And, you know, so far the NFL doesn't look like they're doing that. College football doesn't look like they're doing that. Like Notre Dame made news earlier uh, last week for saying they're not going to require proof of vaccination for people to attend their football games. But the next few months will be interesting to see which sports teams and leagues and events like the U.S. Open require proof of vaccination and, and which don't. Yeah, it's a changing world. And it kind of reminds me of back when March 2020, when COVID came out and you and me were texting back and forth as leagues were canceling seasons. Not as bad this time around, but similar, like which league is going to require vaccination proof or, you know, a, a negative test before you come in, all this stuff. So it's changing every single day. We're getting another headline of a league or staffing or whatever that's changing their COVID uh, regulations. All right. One of the greatest winners in the history of sports, an ambassador for women's sports, Just an amazing athlete and person, Sue Bird. She's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Brian Berger here. We've collaborated with our friends at Parish Project to create high-quality sports business radio clothing, including hoodies, 
long sleeve t-shirts, and short sleeve t-shirts. Each item comes in five different colors and a variety of sizes. These items are super comfortable and you can wear them on Zoom calls, while working out, or when you're lounging around the house. Sports Business Radio has loyal listeners around the world. We'd love for you to post a picture rocking your Sports Business Radio gear. Tag us on Instagram or Twitter if you post. Get your official Sports Business Radio gear by going online to parishproject.com. That's parishproject.com. P-A-R-I-S-H project.com. My guest is Sue Bird, four-time WNBA champion with the Seattle Storm, five-time Olympic gold medalist for Team USA, two-time NCAA champion at UConn, one of the greatest winners in the history of sports. You can follow her on Twitter at S10Bird. Sue, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. So you just visited the White House this past week with your WNBA champion Seattle Storm. I know you visited before, but what was your experience like this past week? You know, it was it was unique. You know, usually the, the trips are, are they can look very similar. You know, you kind of get to you get the tour that they give, and you know, you, you meet the president. That's always unique in its own way because um, the three times that I have gone have been all different presidents. So of course that changes things. But what was what was pretty dope about this one was President Biden kind of went rogue. I don't know how his all his aides felt about it, but we loved it. He was like, "Hey, so you guys want to like just I don't know come see the Oval Office." And we were like, of course. Wow. It was pretty cool that he gave us like his own personal tour. Um, that was, that was a, I think, a once-in-a-lifetime thing. So other than the Oval Office, what was the coolest thing you saw in the White House? Um, so that was pretty cool because he actually, like I said, it was, it was like a personal tour. He kind of explained, you know, the, the, the different decorations he had, you know, how it was decorated, why certain presidents were hanging on the wall and what they meant to him. Um, but after that, he actually showed us the White House pool. And it was pretty funny because he was like, all right, you know, come outside. I'll show you guys the pool. He's like, I haven't been in it, but here's the pool. So that was pretty funny. And Dr. Biden actually happened to be out there. She was having a meeting with an ambassador. So we got to say hello to her, which was wonderful. Um, so those are probably the, the two highlights. That's amazing. President Biden said during your visit, what makes this team remarkable is that they don't just win games they change lives. Did you have the opportunity to speak with President Biden about specific initiatives to change lives in the future? I know you're so involved in things off the court as well. Yeah, no, we didn't get a chance to, to talk policy. Um, but, you know, that's the beauty, I think, of, of our league and, and all the players that play in it. Of course, you know, it was the, the storm that was there on that day. But you know what our league is about. You know, you know what we stand for. And it was really wonderful you know, I'm sure there'll come a, a day and a time where, you know, we can sit down and talk to Chelsea, but it was actually nice just to have, I think, what we've accomplished off the court recognized by the president. You know what I mean? So yes. that was really, really cool to have him, you know, talk about, you know, flipping Senate seats and, and talk about, you know, all the money we've raised. And Crystal Langhorn, who, who played on our team last year, she went up there and talked about Force for Change, which is what the Seattle Storm specifically has in terms of social justice initiative, what we have going. So it was just a, it was a great time to, to like recap and acknowledge. It seems like anytime you play, Sue, you win. You just won your fifth gold medal at the Tokyo Olympics. One of the things I've always marveled at with athletes like you, Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, your will to win. And, you know, how do you climb that mountain again and again and not be satisfied? You know, I think 
there's a lot of different ways to answer this question. For me, one of the things that, that comes to mind is it kind of gets addicting. You know, once you experience it and, you know, you feel and understand what it takes, you, you know, you already have an edge. There's already an edge there for you. And the addicting part is, I always say, I'm like, it happens so fast. You go through a season, you know, hopefully if, if you're good enough and you get to the, to the championship game and you win and you start to celebrate, there's nothing like that one moment. You can never duplicate it. And once it's over, it's over. And all that's next is to try to do it again. And I think that because you can't find that feeling, you know, that moment where, the, you know, the buzzer goes off, you've won the championship, you're raising the trophy, because that only exists in that one place in time, you're just trying to get back there. And it's, hmm. it's this, like, it's this motivator. So that's kind of one part of it for me. There's, there's a bunch of different, like I said, a bunch of ways I'd answer that. But I think that feeling is addicting and you just want to get back to it. One of the other things I've always admired about you is just what a great leader you are. We have a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are business leaders, CEOs, owners of teams, and athletes. What are the qualities that you need to possess to be a great leader? So this is, uh, you know, the, the first thing I like to say in terms of this is you really have to be yourself. Um, I think it's really important within leadership that you're genuine. You know, what I have found is when you come across somebody who's trying to force it, you know, maybe maybe it's they were around a certain type of leader and they're just trying to copy that or, you know, they think they're supposed to do X, Y, and Z. I feel like groups of people, you know, in my world, it's obviously teams. I feel like teams can really sense when someone's not being themselves. And I don't know that that's, that's the type of person that's going to get people to follow them and to get people to, to listen to them. So I feel like first and foremost, you really have to be yourself. And that's through trial and error, like figuring out what works for you. Some people are quiet. Some people are loud. Some people lead by example, you know, so on and so forth. I think another aspect is um, you have to be consistent, you know, like in sports. It, and this doesn't mean that I go out there and I have every game I play, I'm amazing. No, not at all. But I think you, when you, the way you approach things, the way in which you carry yourself, if you're consistent, that, that lends to trust. And that's kind of the last part that I would touch on. I could probably talk about this for days, to be honest. Sure. There's like, there's like this aspect of, of how I like to frame it as like building equity with people. It's all about trust and building that equity because at some point you're going to have to cash in on that. At some point, you know, you're going to have to be able to tell your teammates hard things or hold people accountable. Um, and the only way to really do that, I think, is to build a, a level of trust where people understand, your teammates understand you know, you're coming from a good place. You know, you're not just trying to be an a-hole. You're just, you're actually trying to help. Um, and if they understand that's where you're coming from, I feel like people are just way more receptive. Um, so that's kind of like the cliff notes. Like I said, I could probably talk about this for days. Well, I, yeah, I think when you're, when you're done playing, whenever you, uh, hang them up, you could certainly go out on the circuit and command a, a hefty dollar for uh, leadership motivation or skills or whatever you may want to do. I want to talk to you about growing women's sports. Again, I look at your career, the length of your career, you know, the example that you've set, you're part of the WNBA Players Association. Uh, what needs to be done to continue to grow women's sports in the U.S.? It's still, I feel like it's just scratching the surface of what it could be. Oh, yeah, it's definitely scratching the surface. Um, you know, I've read articles recently where it, it's kind of, it's, it's almost a joke, but the person's not kidding, where it's like women's sports is actually the best investment because it can literally only go up. This is, this is a world 
where it has been, you know, undervalued. Um, it hasn't been invested, underinvested in, if that's the word. Um, we've had to kind of scratch and claw along the way to, to survive, and we're still here. So imagine we did get, you know, the corporate sponsorship money. Imagine we did get that investment. Imagine we did get the media coverage and the television time. I mean, the sky's the limit. So what I think needs to be done is really just that to continue down the road that we're already on. We're finally getting to a point where we're speaking on these things and people are taking note and recognizing them. I think there's been like a, a little bit of like a cultural awakening in that sense. And it's, it's really helped put us on the map and in terms of talking about these things. And I think what's going to happen is, you know, when you hear, oh, women's sports only get 4% of the media coverage, now people are taking note and they're trying to change it. When you saw what happened with the NCAA tournament and the discrepancies, you know, now there's, 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 there's steps being taken to change that. So we're on the right path. We just got to keep pushing. Yeah. I'll tell you this as father to a teen daughter. I, I thank you for all the work that you're doing and the example that you're setting for young girls like her. I want to talk to you about your work with A-list brands like Nike and AT&T. Sue, if a brand reaches out to you about working together, what are the elements that you need to see in order to say yes? You know, when it comes time to, to partner with, with a different company, um, you, of course, want your values to align. That's, that's crucial, especially in today's world. I think a big part of it is you want, you want it to be, you know, if it's a product, obviously Nike is an easy one for me. If it's a product that you are, you know, saying you use, you want to actually believe in that product, right? So recently, you know, good examples recently is I've started working with Tonal um, and Glossier. You know, Tonal, I have a Tonal machine. I actually use that to work out. And then, you know, touching on the, uh, the values aspect of it, Tonal was one of the first companies that when the, you know, NCAA, the men's versus the women's tournament, all that stuff got brought up, like I was talking about earlier, Tonal was the first companies that was like, hit up the NCAA tournament, the women's tournament, and was like, hey, do you need some Tonals? So I think that's, that's kind of, those are the questions you're asking when, when companies, you know, come to the table. What about with equity? More and more athletes are taking equity and saying, I want to be part owner of this company versus you just paying me to be an endorser. Are you looking at those two? Absolutely. Um, and I think that's obviously the new weight and it's incredibly smart. And there's terms, it just, you know, like anything, sometimes it just takes the first person to do it. Um, and I don't know exactly who that first athlete was, but once you started hearing about you know, like you just said, getting the equity instead of just, you know, the flat fee, it really changes things. And I think athletes, what you're seeing is we're really starting to own our brands and we're starting to understand that um, we have more value than just being, you know, the face of an endorsement. It makes a lot of sense. Um, I really wanted to ask you this question. So Naomi Osaka and other athletes have questioned, why are we still doing press conferences? And I actually agree. I don't know that we learned a whole lot at a press conference or anything that's unique. Is an elite athlete who does lots of interviews, Sue, what's the best way for the media, knowing that that media beast still needs to be fed on some level, what's the best way for the media to engage athletes? It's a, it's a great question. It's not one that I've, um, I mean, I've thought about it. It's not one that I've like, come with an exact answer. But, I mean, I think we all as athletes feel that way at times. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a unique relationship, the athletes to the media, because I think we, we both need each other in a lot of ways. But 
that relationship hasn't been examined in a long time. I think that's what's so great about what Naomi did. It, it put it to the forefront and it's really gotten us talking about it because it is tough when you go into a press conference and they just kind of a- ask, you know, all the same mundane questions that really have no meaning. Like they, they're not like deep dives. They're just these surfacey questions. And really at times what they feel like is people trying to catch you or trying to make you say something that could be clickbait. So, um, like I said, I don't have an answer, but I'm glad that we're talking about it and we can maybe come up with something because my takeaway from, from the whole, you know, just from an outsider watching Naomi go through what she went through is this needs to be reevaluated. Like this needs to be changed. It doesn't mean I have an answer, but it means I'm, I'm, I definitely want to talk about it and try to get to an answer. So would you rather have a format like this where you can tell the deeper story and, and talk a little bit more in long form? Or would you rather have, you know, the five minute conversation where it's more sound bites or, you know, a, a press conference type of thing? Because, you know, again, just because we've done something the same way for a long time doesn't mean right. that we should still do it that same way. Oh, no, I, I, I mean, I follow that. Like I subscribe to that in my daily life. I'm constantly like, wait, why do we do this? Is this just because we've always done it that way? So again, it's great that we're that we're talking about this. I personally would definitely like to deep dive more. I think nowadays people can get misrepresented so quickly and so easily, and and like I said, the clickbait aspect of things. It feels at times that media kind of wants that to happen. They maybe want you to slip up and say something. So anytime you can have a conversation about actual topics, to me personally, is much better. Now, obviously, you run into the the problem of time. You know, like athletes. Um, really everybody in the world, but you don't always have the time to sit down and do long form interviews. You know, that can kind of, that can bog down your day. So, you know, this is obviously a work in progress. What's your strategy with social media? I see you're pretty active on Twitter and Instagram. Are you just getting on there sporadically when you feel like it? Do you go into each week saying I've got a strategy around it? I definitely don't go in with a strategy. I kind of just do it as I do it. Um, I try to limit you know, how much I'm on there just scrolling. When I find myself on there just wasting time to scroll, I definitely have to like self-check in those moments. But I think social media, I try to approach it by like having fun with it. You know, like I, I try not to get in the comments too deep because that can stress you out. And, and in terms of like what I post, I definitely try to go more in like the have fun side of it. And then every now and then when there's like, you know, a message that I want to get out or something that I support, you know, obviously a great example is is how we use social media while we were in the wobble last year, Um, especially when it came to supporting Reverend Warnock. Like this is, it's obviously a great tool to help do that. Um, So I feel like there's a time and place for both. And that's kind of my strategy is just to like go with it, like see what happens. But I would say most times I'm trying to have fun on there. Yeah. Like I love the other day when you were at the White House and you were in the room with all the breakable plates and you're spinning the basketball. <laughs> like that's cool. And that, I mean, how, how many of us get to go spin a basketball on our finger in the middle of the White House? That was pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, they, they were giving me all the confidence in the world. I was like, all right, well, let's do it then. That's funny. All right. So I need to talk to you about an idea I have. You used okay. to do in between two birds, which was like a, a takeoff yeah. of in between the two ferns from Zach Galifianakis. And you did it yeah. for three seasons. You haven't done it in a while. I know you've been busy, but Sue, I need you to bring this back. Cause I think you could have some great guests, including your high school uh, cohort Natalie Portman, who I understand you went to high school with. Why not have Natalie Portman on 
in between two birds. What do you think? Oh, I love the idea. I I love doing. So we called it between two birds. I loved doing between two birds. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I feel like people didn't know how to take it because they really didn't understand like what why I was acting so weird. <laughs> and then like afterwards, I'd be like, well, that was the point. Um, I had a blast with it. It was like an in-game arena entertainment piece where we the storm just moved on to other entertainment. But that doesn't mean it can't come back. That doesn't mean it can't come back. And listen, anything I ever talk about, you know, maybe it's like, maybe one day I'll start a podcast. Maybe one day this will happen. Maybe I'm always like, first guest, Natalie Portman. So we're thinking alike here. Good. See, because, you know, I hear you go on JJ Reddick's podcast and I love that podcast. And you go on... You know, Paul Rabel's been on this podcast with me. I know you've been on with him, but I want you to do your own podcast. And and I think you would be, no, I'm not just saying that. Like, I really think we'd all learn a lot and amazing people that you have access to. Um, so give it some thought to bring back uh, Between Two Birds. <laughs> all right. How well did you know Natalie in high school? Were you guys just in the same high school and you didn't know each other? Or did you actually know each other? Oh, no, we knew each other. Um, she's, so she's a year younger, but like we had, like we kind of, you know, went in the same circles at times. Um, you know how it is in high school, a year apart. It's, it's different friend, circles of friends, but they kind of overlap at times. So one of her very close friends, even to this day, I played soccer with. So yeah, we definitely knew each other in high school. And she's now part of the Angel City FC ownership group. So like all kinds yeah. of uh, things that you guys could discuss. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to ask her why, when, how, when and how we can get her in the WNBA. <laughs> there you go. The other idea I have is I understand you're quite the bowler. So maybe you do the recordings <laughs> of Between Two Birds. You do it at a bowling alley somewhere and you, you bowl with someone that you're interviewing. What do you think? <laughs> Who told you I'm a bowler? That's hilarious. I read that you're like a good bowler and you break 200 when you bowl. Is that not true? Is that false yeah, uh, media no, report? No, no, no. That's all facts. Um, I actually haven't, I haven't bowled in a long time. So I loved bowling growing up. And then when I played in Russia, bowling is very popular. Like hmm. it'll be like, you'll go to just, you know, a small city somewhere and you'll be in like the equivalent of not the equivalent, but like a smaller hotel and they'll have a bowling alley, like just like a couple lanes, nothing crazy, but that's the same way we have like swimming pools in our hotel you'll rock up to some random hotel and it'll have like a two, three lane bowling alley. So we actually bowled quite a bit overseas. And like I said, I grew up loving bowling. My parents bowled. So yeah, it's not that uncommon for me to break 200. See, there you go. There's another element of the podcast recording for your show that you could add that would be uh, unique. <laughs> Before I let you go, um, you know, you're, you're over 40 now. You're still winning. You're playing yeah. at a high level. What's left to do? Do you do you wake up every day and go, these are the things I want to do still? Or are you starting to think about the next chapter of post-career? Oh, I've been starting to think about that for a couple of years now. You know, I think I would say in the last, in the last like two, three years, maybe a little bit more, I've, I've understood that, you know, I'm, I'm closer to the end than I am the beginning. So I've definitely started to think about that. In terms of like on the court and winning, I do feel, I'm not going to lie, I feel really lucky that I can sit here and if my career ended yesterday, if it had ended yesterday, I would be totally content and satisfied mm. with all that I accomplished. And it's, it's a really cool place to be in because it takes some of the pressure off of the future. It allows me to just be in the moment. 
that moment right now is, you know, right now we're kind of making this playoff push, um, see what we can do once we get to the playoffs. But yeah, it, it feels good to know that, that I have pretty much, you know, won everything you could possibly win. It feels really good. So that's kind of nice. But at the same time, I do wake up, you know, and I go to practice every day or I go, you know, to the arena on game days and I feel like I haven't. There's still like a hunger in me and, 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 and a feeling of I want to prove something. So that still exists. And, and as long as that exists, I'll, I guess I'll keep playing. My last question for you, I mentioned earlier, I have a teen daughter. She plays sports. A lot of parents out there listening to this. For young girls that are playing sports, uh, what advice would you give them? For young girls, I would I would say first and foremost, you need to have fun. It needs to be fun. I always say if you get to a point where the sport you're interested in becomes, you know, in my case, a job, <laughs> right? Then that let it be a job when it's a job. Mm-hmm. And until that moment, until that moment, it needs to be fun. So anytime you know, you might get um, in a situation where you're not enjoying it. You need to, you know, you need to kind of take a step back and ask yourself why that's happening and try to get back to a place of fun. And the other thing is, and, and I really, we started the conversation like this, so it's good to end. You really have to be yourself. I think a lot of times, you know, nowadays you, you might watch a highlight and you see a certain player doing a certain thing and, and you wish you could do that. But the truth is what you bring to the table is always going to be unique to you. And so you just need to bring that. You can't try to be other players or be your teammate or be a, you know, you can't try to do that. You have to just, you know, be yourself and, 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 and continue to have fun. Such, such great advice. Sue, I've been hosting sports business radio for 17 years. I have wanted to have you on for a very, very long time. I have such admiration for how you carry yourself on and off the basketball court. So I really appreciate you taking the time today. Uh, thank you. That means a lot. Thanks. I appreciate it. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. And thanks to our partner, Molka Sports, for powering Sports Business Radio. Learn more about them online at molkasports.com. That's M-A-L-K-A sports.com. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions, griggsproductions.com.